Lifetime, the official athletic country club of the Minnesota Vikings, has something for every member of your family. Get your family going today at lifetime.life forward slash kids. And obviously, you guys have a new defensive coordinator in Brian Flores, who I know a little bit about. And the one thing that he can always work with is DBs that can play everywhere. Which assets do we have that we can still work with? What do we What do we need to keep? What can we keep? And what do we need to move on from? And it just feels like there is that calculated uh, angle. And it's only year two of whatever this plan is going to be. NFL free agency is often racing as over 100 deals worth over $2 billion have been agreed to in just the first week of free agency. Welcome to episode number 206 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast presented by Pepsi. We got the full band back together today. We got Tatum Everett, Jay Nelson, Eric Davidson on the ones and twos. And uh, my name is Gabe Henderson, and the four of us are knee deep in by far one of the wildest free agency periods we have ever seen. And uh, in my opinion, I'll start it off with just saying I, I feel like the the NFL offseason unofficially uh, kicked off this past Friday, like around uh, 4.30 p.m., March 10th. Adam Schefter tweeted, the Carolina Panthers are moving up in the draft to acquire the number one overall pick from the Bears. And in return, the Bears received the first and second rounder this year, a first rounder next year in 2024, and then a second rounder in 2025. I thought that was it. I thought, you know, yeah, you know, pick for pick. And then the Bears got DJ Moore in that trade. Yeah. So that's kind of how all the craziness started in my eyes for you guys. Like, d- describe just this period for you and how it ranks versus other years when it comes to free agency. It just feels like every single year it gets crazier and crazier. And I think part of that is because before you would have leaks that would come out about the tampering, but nobody could really say anything because they didn't want to, you know, get fined by the league or whatever. And now we're at a point where you have the quote unquote legal tampering. Yeah. Which it's just negotiation time. It's <laughs> it's all it is. And which is kind of cool because at least it starts at the at the beginning of the week and you kind of get until Wednesday to make it official. But on the 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 same point of that for me is it all just turns into two days of chaos, <laughs> let alone um anything else of guys that are complete free agents. Um, you know, over the weekend and stuff that that are just completely autonomous that have gotten cut prior to that and everything and guys making deals. Um, but free agency is is fun. It, it goes back to the old question of, hey, what do you guys do in the offseason? It's like, well, <laughs> nothing. Yeah. exactly. This is this is everything kicking off, uh, you know, on, on a rocket ship and just taking off like crazy. Um, the one thing that was so surprising to me about trading that first pick by the Bears um, right away was how early they did it. Right. I was shocked by that because normally teams will wait until the close you get to the draft or once free agency gets going and some team starts to get desperate because they missed on some of the people that they wanted and now they're like, man, we really need to move up in the draft to get the kind of quality player that we just missed out on. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of shocked. And, and there is a side to me, and I, I've actually seen people bring this up, but I, I brought it up right away saying, I think the Panthers might actually trade that pick again. When it gets to the point, like during the draft, I know for them, like the True idea Panthers of, fashion, but that's the thing is like for them, they've made this move and they've done what they've done, but they could still leverage that number one overall pick mm. and trade that prior to draft day or on draft day, given what happens again after free agency. So I don't know. I, yeah, it definitely was something that really, you know, lit the fuse to start free agency. But for me, I, I was very surprised that it happened this early already in the offseason. 
There's always so many surprises. And every year I feel like we're like, oh, this is the craziest free agency ever. And it always seems to be amped up more and more every single season. I'm excited that we can finally talk about these sure. things, right? That's like, official. Like, you know, when, when you sit there and you're like attributing reports and being in, you know, my news background, that's what you would do. You'd be like, oh, and so-and-so reported this first or multiple reports say this. Now, today, it's 3.07 when we record this and we can finally talk about the all the rumors that we've been hearing about what the Vikings have done. And I think that's that's the exciting part because now you'll start to see where all the – Pieces start flowing and then the money moves in different waves and then now you see more names. And I don't know, I think as much as there's been the tampering or the non-tampering, legal tampering, all of the moves that get made pre, you know, three o'clock, March 15th, it's, it's exciting to see what it can lead to now that everything is open for a season. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the only it's only the beginning of this free agency frenzy. And uh, we'll see more. Of course, moves and transactions in the coming hours, days, months, and whatnot. But at the same time, Kwesi and Kevin, they have been active. Uh, starting with uh, Marcus Davenport, uh, defensive end from the New Orleans Saints. He signed a one-year deal worth $13 million. Uh, then Josh Oliver, uh, Baltimore Ravens tight end, signed a deal three years, $21 million. And then I guess the, the biggest free agent signing that everyone is talking about right now that became official, I guess, uh, as we're recording this, 3.08. So about seven minutes ago, Byron Murphy, cornerback, Arizona Cardinals. Two years, $22 million. Um, Just a bevy of selections for this Minnesota Vikings team when it comes to free agency. And it looks like Kevin O'Connell, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, they are trying to be strategic when it comes to selecting certain guys to help, I guess, fill the puzzle. I know that on my end, uh, you've been talking about all of this for the leading up to free agency of what do the Vikings need? Well, they need a pass rush. They need some help in the secondary. Um, you had some different moves that have been made with, you know, subtractions off the defense so far. So to see them go get a defensive end like a Marcus Davenport and then to get a quarter cornerback like Byron Murphy, I, I you know, kind of addresses two of the major needs that you've seen so far. I think the feeling by other people as well is that you probably need some more help in those positions, but at least it's a good start to get a couple of bigger names in those two positions that have been glaring needs, at least going into this offseason. I think when you look at who is no longer on the team, you needed a little bit of that leader, someone who's been in the league longer on the defense, especially. You know, I, I feel like the Davenport and the Murphy signing is good for the youth of this team to see two guys that have been doing this for a while and how they go about their business. And I think that they fit really nicely with Coach Flores and what he wants to do. As far as Oliver, I think, you know, if if I've learned, I don't know about you guys, but in the past year, I think I've learned to trust Kevin O'Connell and what he sees for this offense and the pieces he thinks he needs to make this offense successful. And so if they think that Josh Oliver is what they need to help this run game, to help the offensive line get a couple blocks, give Kirk a few more seconds back there in the pocket. If that's what they think they need, I'm all in, right? Like I, I've just, uh, in that sense of the way, I've, I've learned to trust them in that process. I mean, Josh Oliver was the highest rated run blocking tight end, according to PFF. So he he's done some things that will help our offense. I just keep thinking about last year, so many times where tight ends were blocking opposing defensive ends one-on-one. And that defensive end will win. So the fact that we have a, a trusted blocking tight end who can also run routes, 
I like that move. I like that move, Jay. We've always had diversity within our tight ends where you tend to have more of your athletic pass-catching guy, and then you have somebody who's essentially acting as a sixth offensive lineman out there. And especially you think about like uh, goal line situations. You know, we had a couple of times last year where we'd be fourth and short trying to get that yard, and we just it wasn't as effective. So getting somebody like Josh Oliver, it feels like um, with his pedigree, he should be able to come in and help cement with that line. And I just think anything we can do, especially if we're going to be, you know, focusing on trying to help our running backs, you know, we, we as of now, you don't know officially what's of officially happening yeah. with your running back room. But um, a guy like Josh Oliver should be able to come in and help shore that up and and uh, help open up some more holes there for that offensive line. Yeah, well, the same offensive line is back in session this year. Uh, Garrett Bradbury just re-signed with the Minnesota Vikings. And um, I look at that for Kwesi as being the master GM, right? So if Garrett Bradbury would have um, – if the Vikings would have picked up his fifth, his fifth option last year, he would have got paid $16 million last year. They decline it. They re-sign him this offseason for $15 million over three years. So – First things first, congratulations to both of those guys for being able to work that out. But two, we have this offensive line together, which should, I guess, sure up some more confidence for Kirk this year. I think offensively, the offensive line continuity is something that has been a talker, I think, every offseason for, gosh, probably the last decade. Um, so being able to have those guys, and it feels like, you know, whenever you would see O'Neal and Bradbury together, those two guys are really are the leaders of that that offensive line group. So to get a guy like um, Garrett back and for the offensive coaches to feel like, you know, he's going to be an, an important anchor in their signing a three-year deal. Mm -hmm. um, seems like he's going to be around for a bit here. And so, it, you know, it'll be good to have the continuity and the senior leadership back in those important positions. And, and I, you know, I, I don't think I'd be surprised if they went to the draft and found a center later on in the later rounds. Not not that they would replace Bradbury with that, but it is a three-year deal. Yeah. Um, you know, you're looking towards the future. You know that maybe you want someone who might have a little bit more size to them. It's a different type of running. You know, he's not a run a run blocking center first and foremost. And so um, with this pass happy offense, I think he has acclimated well. I mean, hats off to Chris Cooper, the offensive line coach, for yeah, making kudos. Garrett kind of turn around his season and earn this contract. Um, in this last year, but you're right. Quasi was playing chess with this, uh, with this move, and you know they they definitely looked at the market for centers and liked what they saw and what they could come to terms with with Garrett. And again, the familiarity, you know, goes without saying. I think part of it too, if you look at there were a couple of moves that were made even during last season to try to give you some more offensive line depth. So having a, a move like this with Garrett, who is a proven commodity of at least you know who he is, what he what he's like in that, that room and what he's like on the field. Um, like you said, if you were to turn around and, and try to pick some people up a little bit later in the draft as well, it's just going to help with that continuity and that depth within that position. Yeah, speaking of depth, uh, the Vikings re-signed quarterback Nick Mullins, who is for sure going to be the backup next year. He was a really good, solid backup for this Minnesota Vikings team. They also re-signed tight end Ben Ellison defensive end Kenny Willekes and then they brought back the special teams group so kicker Greg Joseph is back as well as long snapper pro bowl all pro long snapper Andrew DePaula um, Tatum I was talking to Lindsay and she said she was most happy about <laughs> Andrew DePaula resigning simply because we can finally go to Maryland to go visit his bagel shop <laughs> right yeah bagel bagel content coming <laughs> um, yeah, yeah I, I think too it, 
His story is so great. Yeah. And it's great to see how well he did this year. And it's nice to see him get the praise and like love he deserves because I think when you're a long snapper, like no one's really paying all that much attention to you, only if you're messing up. And so the fact that we don't really talk about Andrew much is great. His relationship is so good with Ryan Wright and Greg Joseph. And these are the guys that he's got to play with all the time. And and they all have their processes and their ways of doing things and they're all quirky in their own way and I think that's that's a huge huge benefit for this team um you know you look at the defense not maybe living up to expectations this season the offense had some holes but definitely a lot to build off of but that special teams unit it was really good and I do expect for them to have competition at camp but I I would not be surprised if the same three just Obviously, walk on right through the door and they're yeah. just fine. I don't know. Ryan Wright may not have competition at camp, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but we'll it, see. <laughs> but that's the thing, like special teams, you know, that position, those positions are are so critical and key. Um, like you said, you know, once you mess up, that's when people start talking about you more yeah. typically. Um, but for a guy like DePaula, you know, if you go back and if you haven't read the articles or kind of looked into his background of his history, I mean, he is very much somebody who gutted it out for years and years trying to make a squad, get a chance, earn his position, and then for him to become a pro bowler, get re-signed, you know, to a longer-term deal and make some good money, you know, it was just a, a really great kind of current ending to his story of of all of the hard work and effort he's put in, and it's been great to see a guy like Andrew get rewarded for yeah. all of the efforts he's done. I'm so happy for him, but I'm also happy for, you know, certain guys that are not on this Minnesota Vikings roster next year. Um, Eric Kendricks, uh, Patrick Peterson, Dalvin Tomlinson, Cameron Dancer, Adam Thielen. Uh, those five guys uh, were released or their contract expired in Dalvin Tomlinson, and the Vikings just didn't re-sign them. But the good thing about this thing is – is that they were released or they are on other teams early on in their in, in this offseason. So it gives them an opportunity to get to know their teammates elsewhere and kind of, you know, build their roots uh, for their new organization. So, uh, Jay, I know you've you've been here longer than Tatum and I have, and you've seen uh, the Eric Kendricks and Adam Thielens of the world. Those guys kind of come in and, I guess, get to the point of where they are in their career now. Uh, just when you heard that news or when – you saw them sign elsewhere. What was the initial reaction for you? Uh, the thing for me with Kendricks, it felt like a perfect fit, him being able to go back to California and and be back kind of, you know, he even kind of reiterated that a little bit, kind of going back home, um, being able to do that. Um, to see a guy like Kendricks who not only has been a leader on the field but off the field with everything that had been going on, social justice, and for really being a, a, a solid person within the organization that could really be one of those leaders, vocal leaders, in the locker room and out in the public has been great. And I, you know, I think what you were kind of alluding to as well with some of these guys that were being released early, yeah. it's a sign of respect from the organization to yeah. say like, listen, we understand we couldn't work it out with you and it wasn't going to work here, but we want to give you the ability to go negotiate as early as possible and to get as good a deal as you can elsewhere. And it was, I, I just, I feel like the whole thing of doing things the right way and trying to be respectful of the players and, and to, you know, give them the ability to do this. There's other teams that'll hold on as long as possible and then just be like, all right, you're cut last second. And those guys are scrambling, trying yeah. to figure out what's available for some of these different players. I mean, you know, Thielen's still trying to figure out where he's going to you know, end up at this point. But 
I was really surprised and, and even just I went wow when I saw the Tomlinson deal come through in Cleveland for four years, the four years, fifty-seven million. I was like, man, that's great for him. Pay that, that man. I was gonna say that's a, <laughs> I was gonna say that's a whole lot of gauntlets that he can go through yeah, and buy. From he might be able to put Marvel real stuff. jewels on the actual <laughs> glove he exactly. wears for the games now. Yeah, but but to see that and even Patrick Peterson getting to go to yeah. Pittsburgh for a couple of years, you know, maxing out that that the two-year, fourteen million dollar deal. Just in general, all of those, to see the quality of those players and the veterans that they've become and to see them still be valuable elsewhere, I thought says a lot about, you know, what they've not only done here, but what they can still continue to do on the back end of their careers. For sure. I mean, those decisions are hard to make for any GM, especially if they're good culture guys. And I think a lot of the guys that are no longer here are going to move on, have success elsewhere. They were big culture guys. And I don't think that's to say we're in trouble by any stretch of the imagination, I think that the impact of several veterans as well as the way that they've left the team is is in great shape. But you have to, you know, it, it's a business and sure. the the team needed to clear space. And I don't think you can make a decision about a Byron Murphy, Josh Oliver, Marcus Davenport without knowing what amounts you have to start maneuvering around here and there. And so those those contracts needed to be off the books yeah and and it's a part of that time of the year and it's also if you you know one of the things that we're looking at and seeing and we were talking about going into the offseason was the need to get younger you know the yeah. need to 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 go through and, and you've got you know double digit veteran guys here as far as years of service within the league and everything that are going elsewhere and getting these contracts and you're bringing in some younger guys you're bringing in you know a, a guy like murphy who's coming off of basically the irony of it was he was essentially Patrick Peterson's replacement yep. in Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now he's walking in the door here on his second, you know, his yeah. second go around and he's going to be walking into Patrick Peterson's old position Probably again. Probably wearing number seven. Yeah. So, yeah. so. And he's 25. Yeah. And, Marcus Davenport's 26 yeah. and Oliver's 25. So you got a lot younger. And that's the thing mm-hmm. is that is the recipe for kind of doing that replacement or at least the yeah. refreshing of a roster not only financially, but but age wise so that you can if these guys do work out for long term, these are players that can be here for five, 10 years, you know, and get to the point where some of these other players were where, well, you're so successful. Now you're aging out financially that we just right. can't keep you on the roster. But hopefully these guys coming in at this age are going to be perfectly in their prime, not only um, on the field physically, but, you know, when it comes to working out the the numbers for the salaries, it's going to be beneficial for the organization as well. For sure. Um, I think you, you guys hit that right on the head. I feel like we got younger on both sides of the ball. And then Kevin O'Connell and Quasi Adolfo meant to uh, convince Kirk to, you know, somewhat bet on himself. It's like, hey, this is a proven year for you. We'll, we'll convert $20 million of your salary into a signing bonus, clearing up $16 million of space to go sign other free agents. But at the same time, we're giving you the same old line you had last year, the same receivers you had last year minus Adam Thielen. This should be another operation for us to go and try to win the North. Well, we talked about the Vikings and some of the moves that happened uh, within the building. But before we start talking about the rest of the league, let's uh, let's talk to Jason McCourty from NFL Network. You see him every week on Good Morning Football, uh, every day on Good Morning Football. And let, let's just hear his thoughts on not only the Minnesota Vikings, but all the moves that are being made around the NFL. And now 
joining us on the Minnesota Vikings podcast. We are pleased to have Jason McCourty on for the very first time. You see him on Good Morning Football every weekday morning on NFL Network. He's also a 13-year NFL vet, Super Bowl champ. Thank you so much, Jason, for joining us today. We really appreciate your time. No problem. I appreciate you guys having me. Absolutely. We have to ask you some free agency questions just right off the bat. I noticed that you've been watching a lot of these free agent cornerbacks that have been in the in the uh, free agency pool, and rightfully so. And I, you had your top five. Vikings did not bring home one of the names in your top five. However, they did sign Byron Murphy. So I wanted to get your take. What do you think about his fit in this new Vikings defensive scheme? I love it. And uh, well, I did my top five DBs, and at the back end of it, uh, I talked about Byron Murphy and Cam uh, Sutton coming from Pittsburgh. And Byron Murphy is a guy who had a career year in Arizona. And I, what I love about him is his versatility. He's a guy who can play inside and in the slot, but can also line up outside and play the entire game from there. And obviously you guys have a new defensive coordinator in Brian Flores, who I know a little bit about. And the one thing that he can always work with is DBs that can play everywhere. Uh, you look at the last few years in Miami, a uh, guy, Nick Needham, was a guy who played in the slot but also will line up as safety for him. When there were injuries, he'd bump outside and be a primarily an outside corner as well. So I think with Flo's defense is going to be more aggressive, and you get a guy like Byron Murphy that can he can rush, he can get uh, some sacks when he's getting after a quarterback, he'll tackle, he's aggressive, and he's a guy that can make plays in the back end. So I'm excited uh, for that signing and obviously him getting a big payday. Uh, to leave Arizona and head to the uh, very cold weather and uh, a very <laughs> different right. climate uh, for him moving forward. Yeah, I think the good thing is for Byron is, you know, he played in the Dome, so now he gets to play in the Dome again. So, yeah, it is cold, but at least he doesn't have to worry about that for home games. But um, one thing I want to ask you about is uh, Brian Flores. Um, you played for him. You played in New England that 2018 year. And, yeah, I know a lot of people are saying, you know, where well, Brian Flores never had – uh, defensive coordinator title, even though he was a head coach. But that 2018 season, he did call plays for that defense. So what do you remember about that Brian Flores-led defense uh, in 2018 in New England? D-Flo, that's my guy. And uh, title or not, he was our defensive coordinator in mm. 2018. Uh, I played 13 years in the NFL. Everything a defensive coordinator does, Flo did. He led every single defensive meeting. Uh, he did all of those things. So it was no different. Uh, than any other coordinator I had. And the one thing uh, I think as players, not myself myself included, what we loved about Flo was he was aggressive and you knew what he was thinking. I can remember being in games where we'd get – I'll reference the Super Bowl, for example. we get to a situation where it's second and long and throughout the entire season, in those situations, Flo was being aggressive and he was sending pressure. And I remember getting on the sideline and earlier in the game, we had that opportunity and we didn't blitz. And you could see him thinking about it. I think it was maybe my brother said to him, like, screw it, Flo, let's go after him. And he was like, y'all are right. And I think that his ability to not only the X's and O's and all of those things of spending countless hours in the film room, but his ability to connect with players and them to have a relationship with them. As I look back at that 2018 season, he challenged us throughout the entire year. We started the season out one and two, came off bad performances. I remember having a meeting with only the core players in there and some of the coaches and him letting us have it and letting us know the expectation was much higher than that. I think guys want to play for Flo and want to play at a high level for him. In in part, is that why he is good at getting the most out of players who are not necessarily 
the most highly sought after, the most recruited, have had the longest resumes, but they're able to be a part of like a strong defense. What is it about his coaching style that helps with bringing the best out in players? Yeah, I think that's part of it, his ability to be honest and be transparent. But then I think also with the definition of coaching is to me, you look across your room, you see the talent, you see the strengths and the weaknesses, and you find a way to blend those things together to put a finished product on the field. I think throughout my years playing, you'll have coaches that show up and say, all right, this is my system. We run a 3-4, we're a fire zone defense, and this is what we're going to do. And then you look and it's just like, well, you don't have any of the personnel to do what you're saying your system is. So I think to me, coaching is being able to adjust and be able to do it on the run for what is in your room. And I think that's what Flo, obviously, with so much New England ties uh, in his history, that's what they've always been really good at figuring out right, how are we going to be able to mold these guys and this defensive room to fit whatever it is scheme that we need to do to win a football game. And one week that could be Byron Murphy and those guys in the back end playing predominantly man-to-man. The very next week it could be, hey, we're going to have to move to a zone scheme to be able to win this game. So determining what it is, how you're going to win that game and how the pieces are going to fit into that game plan, I think that's what Flo has the ability to do, and that's what he'll be able to do in Minnesota. Yeah, I really like that point of the the versatility of uh, not only the players but the coaching staff, and that's something that you can tell that Brian Flores just just I guess makes it known that that's what he's big on. So just just hearing that when it comes to just addressing more holes on this defense, what what stands out to you that the Vikings could address via free agency versus via draft? I think for for them, you look at last year the amount of points that they put up. Uh, from an offensive standpoint. And I think when you do that, you have a guy like Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins spreading the ball around, and you're able to put points up defensively from a philosophy standpoint. you got to have guys that can not only cover, but guys that can get after the quarterback. And they were able to do that a little bit last year, but kind of sustaining that throughout the entire season, I think it's going to be the main thing. Jerry Smith had a great season on one side of the uh, of the defense for them. Uh, how do you complement that and find other guys to go in there and get after the quarterback? Patrick Peterson was a guy who had a really good year. He's now uh, in Pittsburgh. So I think filling some of those holes, he brought in Byron Murphy, who's going to be on the other side, he's going to be in the slot. Dantzler was released earlier in the offseason. So I think in the back end, you're going to need a good mix of veterans and some of those young guys as you start to build your nucleus who's going to be your middle linebacker now. Kendricks is a guy that was a staple in that franchise and does a, a lot of good things and a leader in the locker room. So when you lose a guy like that, how do you replace him? Do you draft somebody to go in place? Do you bring in a veteran? I think those are the decisions that have to be made. And the one thing for the Vikings, they scored high as hell in the, in the free agency survey done by the player. So the free agents, if you're looking at that, you may want to head into that new building and get there. So I think it's exciting times. I will say, I think, Kirk Cousins is a really good player, and when you want to be able to win, you have players that want to win. You have to go somewhere where they have a quarterback. And I think Kirk Cousins doesn't always get the love that he deserves because he's not maybe of the elite of the elite in the league, uh, but he's a guy that week in and week out he's able to get the job done. Yeah, we know Good Morning Football shows a lot of Kirk Cousins love, and we obviously appreciate that. Uh, you know, you mentioned it, though, that there are several pe- several guys that are no longer with the team. There's new faces coming in. You've got a new defensive coordinator as a veteran player, someone who's been on this team, or what is that mindset that they have 
approaching all of this newness around them, guys that have been here in Minnesota for a little while, from your perspective as a former player, how do you attack all of that newness and make sure guys like, you know, Lewis Seen, Andrew Booth, Jr., Caleb Evans are learning at a higher rate with not so many veterans around? Yeah, I think that's the challenge. I think the veterans that are left there, you're trying to continue to build on that culture and I think the one thing when I got to New England that I truly appreciated, um, you had a nucleus of guys that had played together for a while and knew what the culture needed to be and were able to set the example for a lot of the younger guys walking into the building where it didn't need to be a whole sit-down conversation. It was just like, hey, just go watch Matthew Slater and see what he does. Watch Devin McCourty and see what he does. Julian Edelman, all of those guys. And you got to see the example of what it looks like to be a pro and what it looks like to win. And I think the one thing that we know is constant in the NFL is change. So you look at a guy like Adam Thielen, who's been really good there. Uh, he's now moving on. But now you have guys that can step up. You have a guy like K.J. Oslo, who's coming off a really good year, who got a chance to learn from Adam Thielen in his time there in Minnesota. So now when you bring young guys in, they're able to see K.J. Osborne, and he was able to learn from Thielen. So was Jefferson. So those examples are passed down, and you try to just hit the ground running the one thing when guys leave, you don't want to hit the reset button, have to start all over. So I think for them, you got a new GM, you got a new head coach, and you found the right guys. So the only way to go from here is up. Up is the the only way that the Minnesota Vikings plan on going. And uh, I guess going up right now is this Aaron Rodgers news. <laughs> um, it's been reported. Well, I guess he not reported at this point. He even said it that he, he intends said. on playing for the Jets. So for this Minnesota Vikings team, what does that mean? for us in this division? It doesn't mean much. And the reason I say that is Minnesota was dominant last year throughout the regular season. Had one of the best records in the NFL throughout most of it. Uh, They were able, they obviously uh, broke even with the Green Bay Packers, but dominated them early on uh, in the season. And I think for Minnesota, the question isn't in the division of what they can or can't do. I think they showed last year that they can win a ton of games and put themselves in position to make a run at the Super Bowl for them is going to be more about what everybody is saying about them. Can they show up in the big game? When you get to the playoffs, can you win those games? Can they build off of what they did last year, but be able to figure out why they weren't able to get over the hump? So, of course, Aaron Rodgers being out of the division, he's brought so much hurt and tears, to whether it's <laughs> Minnesota, Detroit, or, uh, or Chicago throughout the years. Uh, saying bye to him is, is something I'm sure nobody is, is sad or upset about. But I think for Minnesota, alarms, uh, it looms much bigger than just the division. For them, is looking at the entire NFC and saying, hey, that, those guys over on the AFC, like it's a lot tougher to get to where we want to get to. This is a great opportunity in this NFC to make sure that we're primed and we're in position to make a run and get over the hump of what we weren't able to do a year ago. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you think about it, the the Vikings are no longer going to be the underdogs in the NFC North. You got a target on your back after winning that championship. And um, obviously still pieces and decisions to be made about this roster as we move forward a little bit more into the official time of free agency. Jason, is there a name out there that might be floating around you think would be a good fit for this Vikings team? Oh, wow. There's, There's so many guys, I think. Uh, figuring out the right fit is something that's always tough to do, especially when you look at free agency because you don't really know who guys are. Um, I think for them, uh, it would be nice to see them get a, a receiver, and this is a market that is not huge on wide receivers, but losing a guy like Thielen and getting K.J. Osborne 
an opportunity to step up into that position, but also trying to maybe get a guy like uh, DJ Chark that's coming over from uh, the Detroit Lions or, or getting a guy that possibly can show up uh, in the slot or outside when they go to the three wide receiver set. There's been a lot of conversations around Dalvin Cook and his contract. What are they going to do there? Uh, are they going to need to possibly get a running back as all of those guys are still available in free agency and probably don't need a, a ton of money from a contract standpoint. Um, so I think those are some of the moves on the offensive side of the ball uh, that they can make. Yeah, that, that, that's a really good point. I'm just thinking of, you know, still the the open holes on the defensive side of the ball. And um, I guess you, you've kind of been in Harrison Smith's shoes right now, right? You know, the veteran making plays, uh, staple of a defense. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, there's a, you know, you, you probably got, a, you know, four, three or four really good years left and you're helping build up a young safety. What was your mindset as a player when you were reaching some of those, I guess, uh, fine wine years? I think you're, you're trying to maximize your career at this point. And I think for a guy like Harrison Smith, who's been so good uh, for the Vikings, you want to be able to finish your career. I just watched my brother do a play his entire career with the New England Patriots. But you also want to make sure you're not selling yourself short. So you want to make sure you're getting the most that you can out of your career from a contract standpoint and then also from a winning standpoint. So I think a guy like Harrison Smith is so big for them in that organization because it goes beyond just the production that you see that shows up in the stat sheet is what he's able to do in the locker room, what he's able to bring to the team. Um, so he's a guy, as you get up there, you're, you're trying to continue to build on your legacy. And uh, the best way to do so is trying to figure out what's the best way to get a Super Bowl ring. I think for him, he, he's meant so much to them in that secondary uh, I know for me, whenever I turn the film on, you see him at the line of scrimmage, and he looks like he's about to blitz him on the snap of the ball. He's hauling butt to get back uh, to the middle of the field to play a safety position. Uh, he's always been a ton of fun uh, to watch. I know someone who has a ton of fun watching the Minnesota Vikings is your Good Morning Football co-host, Jamie Erdahl, who is a Minnesota native, probably a little tired of talking about the purple and gold a little bit, or or I don't know, maybe she was good luck this season on the show, Keep 13 wins. Keep her on. <laughs> <laughs> we love, we love, especially me, I love to give Jamie a hard time. Uh, it's like <laughs> it, this past season was like an emotional roller coaster for her. She'd come in one day wearing our, all her purple and gold, and then uh, <laughs> the, the Dallas Cowboys week, and she'd come in and go on a rant. <laughs> uh, uh, early in the morning uh, on what Minnesota needs to do. But, uh, yeah, Jamie's been a, a joy to have around. Does such a great job for us on the show. And I don't know if there's a, a bigger Minnesota Vikings fan uh, than her. You guys got to get her on. I'm sure she'll oh, be yeah. willing to break down and tell you every single player that they need to bring in uh, to get to where they need to get. Um, but, yeah, she's been she's been awesome on the show. And she's surely, surely loves her Minnesota Vikings. Oh, yeah. I, I guess uh, who's, who's a bigger fan? Is Kyle Brand a bigger fan of Kirk Cousins versus Jamie Erdahl and just the Vikings overall? Oh, Kyle Brand, Kirk Cousins. <laughs> if, Kyle could, if, if Kyle could move in and just live with the entire Cousins family, uh, he 100% he would. He'd come in with his, with his family pack on, shirt tucked in, and he personified everything that is Kirk Cousins. So whenever he gets a chance to mention Kirk Cousins and Applebee's or chain restaurant or gift card, uh, he, he always does. So he, he loves himself some Kirk Cousins. I mean, you can't knock Kirk. He's got a brand. 
He has a brand. And he owns up 100%. to it. 100%. He has I a brand. It. I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jason McCourty, for being on the Minnesota Vikings podcast with us today. You can catch him as the host of NFL Network's Good Morning Football, airing Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Central Time. Thank you so much, and uh, have a great week next week at your at your brother's retirement ceremony. <laughs> I will. I'll give him a hard time, too. <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations. To Appreciate it. A huge thank you to Jason McCourty from NFL Network. Uh, you can see him every morning on Good Morning Football at 6 a.m., like Tatum Everett just said. Uh, but now we move to just the free agency frenzy around the league and not just the Vikings. And just looking at the North and some of the other teams, the biggest news right now, is Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. He's never going to be a he Green Bay Packer. He loves it that way, right? Right, right. <laughs> I think everybody in Wisconsin outside of the, the city of Green Bay loves that Aaron Rodgers isn't there. So when you look at just the state of this NFC North division, the Chicago Bears spend $100 million on defense in the first day. The Packers don't have Aaron Rodgers. The Lions are trying to figure things out and build through the draft and free agency. What is the state of this division? Oh, boy. Uh, I think the state of this division, so much unknown, right? Yeah. It, well, it, but but legitimately because, Code? Yeah. You know, the, well, the Aaron Rodgers side of it is, you know, there's a changing of the guard there. You yeah. know, I think when we initially saw Jordan Love, uh, when he first got his chance, when Aaron got injured, he kind of struggled a little bit and everything. But then last year he got into a game and he looked kind of good. Scary. And, and that's the whole thing of going, well, it's kind of the recipe they had before with Aaron sitting for a couple years behind Favre and he walked in the door. Same kind of thing now. You're kind of wondering with Jordan Love and we're, we're all kind of gritting our teeth going, I don't want to deal with another 10 to 15 years of quarterback play that way. But, um, you know, again, there's going to be a lot of question marks happening there. But in Green Bay, their front office obviously feels like transitioning and making this move to Jordan Love is going to be their future. Um, Bears wise, you know, spending as much as they've spent. I see a, a Kari Blazing game there. He was a guy that was originally a, a camp guy for the Vikings, and he went on to uh, have some success at a couple other franchises. And now the Bears jumped on him here for a two year extension, um, even more. So you're seeing him. They add DJ Moore, um, and then to get in a couple of the big linebackers there as well to bring him in. I just free agency is weird for me because. At first, I used to be the guy that was that loved the splash plays of all the free agent guys. You're like, oh, look at all these big-name guys and the big-name talent that's coming in. And then over the years, I have converted to the free agency is nice, and you can add those little those bigger-name pieces, but you really do need to have the lifeblood of your organization be through the draft. So whenever I see organizations, like you remember a couple years ago when um, the Jaguars did a similar bet where they – drop, you know, 120 some million or yeah. 150 million dollars in free agency. Even the Bengals. But but the thing with the the Jags when they did it, everyone's just like how is this going to work? You know, they're just throwing money at the situation. Well, but they seem like they found their coach and their quarterback to help with that augmentation of adding those top tier players in free agency. So I'm I'm skeptical when I see teams spend like crazy in free agency, especially initially. But if they have a solid foundation, that's when it gets scary. They have the money. What else would they do, though? But that's the thing is they 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 you have the money. But if you're going to throw massive contracts like this, then you're going to get to a point where you're going to be pushing up against a salary cap yeah. similar to some of these other teams sure. as these guys get older. It my, my whole point is you have to have that younger group of talented players on the lower contracts like the to Chiefs. help offset that. Yeah. But the, the Chiefs are a little different in that. 
yeah, their giant chunk of their salary cap is eaten up by their quarterback. Yeah. But because of his talent and his success, you have veteran players who will come in on league minimums in order to then potentially chase a ring. So it kind of depends what your organization's like. If your organization is on the come up and it feels like they're going to have success and chase rings, you will get guys to sign for lesser dollars to make it fit under the salary cap. But for teams that are struggling, it isn't necessarily spending big contracts in free agency that tends to fix their overall roster. They also have 10 picks this year. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to be fine. Yeah. They're 10 picks, be fine. four in the first three rounds, and three of them are from trades. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's been a lot of creativity. But that's the thing. As much as restraint as yeah. Poles has practiced the last year, I think this is his time to like really put his plan into action. And that's the yeah. point. I was talking talking before the podcast even just saying the thing about the Bears is you have to figure out they have struggled. They've, they've made a, a run to the Super Bowl. They've had issues with quarterbacks over the years. They had a great defense, and the whole thing got completely blown up in the last two seasons. You know, they made the Khalil Mack trade, and we all were shaking in our boots going, that defense is unbelievably <laughs> scary. And yet they did nothing formally with it and completely imploded to the point where their head coach got fired, their GM got fired. And now they're trying to figure it out again. Yeah. So the question with the Bears is, is the new front office with the GM and the new head coach and and kind of building around the quarterback of the future that they feel like they currently have, trading the first round pick or the number one pick, et cetera, is it a systemic issue with the Bears or was it the previous regime with the Bears? And that's what's going to be fascinating to watch question. it play out because if it is systemic within the organization – all of the money that they're spending and all of those draft picks, they still have to hit on those and to fix the problems sure. that they've had for the years versus if they do have the right people, then they are they are completely on the launch pad to completely go crazy within this division, especially now that it's topsy-turvy with Aaron Rodgers you know, yeah. walking out the door. The Lions are probably the, the team I'm most worried about. Like They have four picks in the top 55 this year in a draft, $20 million in cap space. I mean, one of their their 55th, I guess their second round pick is our second round pick in TJ Hawkinson, who we traded for last year. And I'm just looking at that. And, you know, they got David Montgomery. They have just certain pieces that they're building. And I'm like, man, like they're they're really trying to make some noise in the NFC North. So there are other teams in this division basically saying, hey, why not us? But they're they're the example of what I'm talking about with the Bears. They feel like they finally got their footing. They feel like they have a head coach. They feel like they have a front office. They have coaching staff around them, and they've got and identified a bunch of young players. The biggest question with the Lions is, is Goff their future at quarterback, or do they make a move to try and address and find a super stud quarterback for the future with given all those different kind of picks that they have? So I I feel like what the Lions did at the end of last season spoke, spoke for itself. I think everybody feels like they figured something out for the second half of that season after going one for on the front half and then basically just going bananas on the back end. I think they are a scary team. They just have to uh, continue that success in in this offseason. And, man, I I think they look at it as the division's right for the picking. Which, I mean, I I think it was kind of – could the NFC North be, like, really good in two years? One year? Like, could this be, like, a hyper – right, could this be, like, the AFC – In a couple uh, of years, yeah, I'll give you that. East, sorry, what is the one, AFC – Right now, the AFC East is the best division in football. Is it the East, the one with the Chargers and the – That's the West. Sorry, West, East. But to your point – But to your point, the East is probably going to be the West this year. So, 
I think the East is going to be good. The NFC West was that way a few years ago, too, when you had Russell Wilson uh, back in Seattle still. The Niners were loaded. The Cardinals had just had Kyler, and they were loaded. Like, this stuff all kind of gets cyclical. And, um, you know, the NFC North um, hasn't been completely competitive for, gosh, it's probably been close to a decade. But— and, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that everyone always kind of felt like, well, the Lions are the Lions. They're going right. to be dormant. I mean, if now all of a sudden all f- potentially all four organizations are really doing the reload and getting set up for the future, I think that could be really fun and exciting because it means every single week is going to be a comp- competitive game, especially within the division. Yeah, it's like uh, two teams are, you know, building, I guess, by imploding when the Bears and the Lions and then you have. Uh, the Packers and then us that are trying this competitive rebuild and getting wins, getting draft picks, getting free agents. And so far it's working. At least it worked for us last year. We were 13 and four trying to uh, run it back and win a division again. But um, I wrote down some names on this con- on this um, free agency script for today. And I, I want to ask you guys out of all the names, even if there aren't names on this list, in your opinion, who is the biggest free agent signing or one of the biggest or surprising signings that you've seen thus far? I don't want to say that Aaron Rodgers surprised me because I always, I've been on the Jets. I've thought that for some time now. I think Alan Lazard surprises me a little bit, especially at the price that he's getting. Um, not that I fully believe that Aaron Rodgers went to the Jets and was like, I need these four players or I'm not coming here. But I really feel like the Jets were such a competitive team to begin with that they really were only missing that quarterback piece. So if they looked at him and they were like, no, we have all the pieces, like what would have happened? I don't know. No clue. Wasn't, you know, obviously not privy to those conversations. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, probably... Alan Lazard. Okay. I think the Lazard thing was very interesting because if the idea is Aaron Rodgers is going to the Jets and he's been complaining that the Packers didn't surround him with enough playmakers and then he was potentially advocating for Lazard, Cobb, and Mercedes Lewis to show up in New York, I'm like, those are like the guys that you were working with before. So what is new? Exactly. That's my point. Right. So he just wants his friends. That's a good point. And that's, and that's the thing. It's a comfort thing. Oh, it, he just it, needs it, his friends to hang out with him. Ooh, it. how fun. <laughs> but, but that's my thought is like if the complaint has been that he hasn't had the weapons, but now he wants the similar weapons in New York, it just felt interesting to me yeah. that that was a thing. Um, I didn't want to talk about him. He nauseates me. <laughs> hey, he's nauseating the entire media world <laughs> the past couple of weeks. He is he is driving eyeballs to the Pat McAfee show at this point. I'm sure Pat, Pat enjoys it at this point. Um, I think the most surprising, I'm not going to say one specific thing, but there were two moves that happened within the same organization that really uh, was intriguing to me. The fact that Dallas finally cut the cord for Ezekiel Elliott and they traded for Gilmore who's 32 years old, that, you know, his pedigree speaks for itself, given everything that he's done in this league. But the fact that they traded for a 32-year-old cornerback mm. in in Stephon Gilmore, and then they let Zeke go, and they also then franchise-tagged Pollard, but Pollard broke his leg at the end of the season. So, like, the Dallas Cowboys always have the headlines, Every all the year. chaos, all the, all the insanity with them. But for that to be what happened in free agency, like – on the contrast, think about what we just talked about with our guys that we let go early and giving them that kind of respect to be like, hey, guys, go find what you can. And you wait until the final hour and then you finally cut Zeke. I know that Zeke was always a guy that Jerry Jones was constantly championing for, even when Pollard was playing better. He's like, nope, Zeke's our guy. He's the one that we're going to, you know, he's going to be our bell cow and this is what we're going to do. 
for them to finally cut the cord at this point at his age, but to wait to the last second was surprising to me as far as that whole respect thing goes yeah. as an organization. And maybe they were literally waiting to the last second, trying to negotiate. Maybe they're trying, yeah, trying to restructure. That's the thing. Maybe yeah. they were trying to find a way to make it work and Wouldn't he just couldn't let it happen. But it was still surprising to me that that um, it at the very last moment was when you found out that that move was made. Now we look at Zeke as the guy who snapped the ball in the last play of the game when the Cowboys played the 49ers last year and got bull rushed. Yeah. Like, in the league of what have you done for me lately, that does not make Zeke look good. You know what I'm talking about? I I, I saw some tweet, and I was maybe this is what it was referenced to. I, yeah. I did not remember that, but it was— His final was, play as a Cowboy? It was that uh, whoever wants Zeke will get a good center. And I <laughs> was like, go, oh, yeah. no. Yeah. Oh, no. How, on their depth chart, who do they have besides Pollard? Uh, they have, oh, I don't know off the top of my head, but the the Cowboys always have had a really good offensive line, so they can make any running back Mm -hmm. look good. Like I can, I can see when they weren't and they just kept drafting them every single year. Like I've seen Alexander Madison's name uh, linked to the Cowboys and uh, hopefully that doesn't happen. But at the same time, I could see him. It's Malik Malik Davis. Davis. Malik Davis. That's it. That's it. Okay, Malik. It's your turn now. Well, Well, they, and they did, they did re-sign a, you know, a Vander Esch. Um, That's a good that time. I mean, but is it not the most Cowboys move ever to try and get up in the draft and take Bijan Robinson? Just running back wise, I mean, that oh, would, from Texas, yeah, 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 yeah from yeah. Texas, the <laughs> Longhorn. Yeah. I mean, he's built in. PR I can see Jerry Jones like yeah. salivating right now yeah. over Bijan Robinson. No matter, that's, that's a no matter thing. what their needs are. That's who if he I feel like if Jerry Jones has an eye on one no matter what the need, that's who they're gonna get. So it's gonna be the thing where literally Cowboys thing. I was gonna say it's gonna be the thing where everyone's trying to pry the phone away from from, uh, (laughs) Jerry Jones' hand, like do not make this pick. This is what he wants. Or he signs Will Levis. Yeah. That would be a Dallas thing. My biggest I would say my biggest surprise is just the Atlanta Falcons. Like in general. They spent over two hundred and sixty million in free agency on day one. And uh, I, I have a weird theory that they're making all these moves to sign Lamar Jackson. Like they're clearing cap space while still extending guys. And then they had, they still have enough room to sign Lamar to his deal. And when you uh, get a blocking tight end, you sign a blocking tight end and John U. Smith, re-sign a fullback. You got Chris Lindstrom uh, signing a $105, year, $105 million extension. Like those are small moves to get your quarterback of the future. So Meanwhile, they're putting out reports that they're not interested. So... I like the game they play if that's the case, hey, right? Look, I mean, whenever whenever certain people tweet certain things, I'm not going to name names, about teams not interested or teams really leaning towards another player, I'm like, believe the opposite of whatever they just tweeted. Misinformation, right? So it would be nice. I mean, Taylor Heineke just signed a two-year, $20 million uh, deal with the Atlanta Falcons. Like, Got to go back home. Exactly. But, you know, they have Desmond Ritter also. So I, I just see Lamar making that move. Um, this year, who knows? But they've made a lot of a lot of transactions and free agency uh, for me to feel that way. I know that the Lamar situation is weird, just in general, given his uh, current or lack of representation when it comes to agents. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am curious about that one because if you are the city of Baltimore and the the Ravens organization, your fan base, yeah. you do not want to see that man leave given what he could be, but it just seems so weird given that there really is nobody there that we know of that's negotiating on his behalf. I yeah. know there's the the discussion that he's got family people that understand the the MO of how all that works and can help him negotiate. But it is a weird deal to have somebody that big and to have it 
get to where it is currently to have a Lamar Jackson as a as a player negotiating for himself and just to feel like there's been publicly at least no traction that's been seen yeah. to be made at this point with such a high profile athlete. It just reminds me of like, um, what's his name? Richard Sherman was his own agent for a while and he negotiated his big time deal in Seattle. So I know a lot of people are saying, well, he was a cornerback instead of a quarterback and wasn't dealing with that kind of money. But at the same time, if Lamar and his family kind of knows what, what to do, then Hey, they figured out three years, 133 million. They figured that out. So Maybe he does need an agent. Who knows? But I, it's just a weird situation overall. Very much just, so. just a weird situation overall. Which and makes, I'm going to just sit here with my popcorn. Nah, yeah. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here for all of it. Give me my icy popcorn, Laffy Taffy's. I don't eat chocolate or peanut butter. So give me whatever candy you got, and we'll go from there. Here's my curveball. Yeah. Darren Waller trade. Giants? Yeah. Yeah. To the Giants for a third-round pick. And that was basically the pick that they got in Wasn't the Kadarius, Kadarius, Tony? Kadarius Tony move. And so I did see somebody saying, so what you're telling me is that uh, in exchange they got uh, Darren Waller and the Eagles not to win a Super Bowl, then they're okay with everything <laughs> because Tony caught the cut. That's the, good. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I'm so just I, upset that um, Darren Waller just got married to Kelsey Plum and then – Now he gets traded his, out his, of Las Vegas. His gift is, hey, well, you moved to New York. New yeah. York, so – I don't know. I feel like that all bring that all brings us back to you know this Minnesota Vikings team, and uh, I remember talking to to Ko and Quasey at the combine, and they them just saying their awareness of what other teams are doing helps them make decisions that are best for this Minnesota Vikings team. And uh, just from you guys' standpoint, how, how would you just assess just Quasey and Kevin's off season approach when it comes to free agency? I think they're just very calculated. They yeah. they don't pull the trigger super fast. They're very particular with who they go and get, who they're interested in signing. And I think that they rely a lot on Rob Brzezinski to move the salary cap around and crunch all the numbers. I don't think they're done by any means. And I'm excited to see how they play this game on the long run, right? Like they, I feel like they're playing a long-term game, which is nice to see. They're not just like selling it all because they had 13 wins and they were like, oh, we can, we're a team that can win now. Yeah. There's, like you think about any other form of business, whenever there's some sort of a, a leadership change that happens, typically there's the throw the baby out with the bathwater attitude on a lot of things. And it feels like these guys are much more calculated when it comes to which assets do we have that we can still work with? What do we, what do we need to keep? What can we keep? And what do we need to move on from? And it just feels like there is that calculated uh, angle, and it's only year two of whatever this plan is going to be. I think it's going to be probably three to four seasons before they can yeah. fully implement what they want. And so we're only in year two of a, of a you know kind of restructure on their end. And even think about the fact that not only are you doing it on the player side, but then you have a brand new defensive coordinator coming yeah. in with, looking at a completely different scheme of what they want. Um, you're just going to see a lot of moves, in my opinion, that are going to be like the word that keeps getting thrown around intentional yeah. um, as far as what they're looking for. And, and I, for one, I'm just, you know, willing to sit here and, and watch it all play out because it is, it, it's interesting just to see the shift in dynamics of what we had for essentially 16 seasons and to now go into year two with, with the new leadership and to kind of see kind of what direction they're going to take the team. It, it's something we haven't had for a very long time. Yeah, you. It's it's always well. At least the last year, it's been tough to kind of figure out Quasi and Kevin's identity when it comes to uh, just free agents. But I feel like as days go on, we're starting to figure out how Quasi and Kevin 
um, view free agency and like work certain guys, how certain guys fit to certain pieces of the puzzle. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. But um, I think that my, my last thing, my last question for you guys is uh, what would be the <laughs> the ideal free agent out there that would make sense for this Minnesota Vikings team? Or position group, position group. Let's not talk players. Position group? Just for free agency. Won't talk draft. So for me, I'll start with just linebackers. I do think there are linebackers in free agency that are out there that you probably won't have to pay as much as you think. That could uh, definitely have some value for this Brian Flores defense. Um, you have to think about it that way because Brian Osimo didn't play a full season yeah. at linebacker and they want two more dependable Someone to play alongside Hicks. I do think that's important. I would also say receiver would be good yeah. to see. Um, yeah, I think receiver's big right now. You know, you want to find someone that's a little bit less expensive than Adam Thielen. Yeah. Same impact. Um, yeah. Or or someone that can really challenge KJ and see who kind of takes that number two spot mm-hmm. during camp. I think the most glaring uh, subtraction from this roster has been probably the Delvin Tomlinson piece. And so as much as last year the the discussion was – lack of, you know, pass rush at times and especially holding that defensive line and not giving up two, three yard push from the opposing offensive line coming at you. Yeah. Um at, you know, just different different phases of, of certain games. I think trying to find somebody that can help uh Harrison Phillips and those guys be that anchor in the middle um that Delvin, you know, was holding on for us. I I think that's a, a crucial part that Hopefully you can go out and find somebody else that can come in and uh, yeah. make an immediate impact. And just depth. Yeah. Huge. Depth in general yeah. in a lot of those spots that you've already signed guys in. Well, corners, linebackers, I mean, D-line. Like, guard would be well, good, too. Yeah. Offensive line. I, I, I mean, all it, the yeah. things that we had talked about at right. the end of last season. Every single position except for yeah. one. Which just one? kidding. Yeah. Which one? Quarterback. I was going to okay. say. We're good at QB right now. Number okay. one wide receiver. We agree yeah. in terms like, of Nick Mullins. Okay. Yeah, we are Yeah, we're, we should be good there. I think we're okay in special teams. Kane is fine. Uh, punter, kicker. We yeah, might need to figure out snapper. who the yeah, punt return. Well, Jalen Rager's back. Right. I mean, that could be a competition there. True. True. Yeah. I mean, it's second season. Second season for this this front office and these coaches, and I think they they now know officially what they're working with. Yeah. You know, like you you can come in in the off season as a brand new coaching staff and go like, I think we know what we got here. But after you've put them through kind of your paces for the first year and they understand where you're at, and then you start to see what you get out of them. Hopefully, doing things like you know resigning a Kenny Wilkes and and looking at some of the other guys that you have, uh, you know, already currently on roster that were rookies or second year your players depth wise thinking about it's your time to step up and yeah. you know let's see what you guys can do for us uh you know thinking about like a Tonga type player having those guys step up into some of these, these positions and and really uh you know flourish this was fun and it's only <laughs> I'm was, glad you had fun free agency, this is, yeah this is this is only week 1 of free agency <laughs> uh, literally uh 45 minutes into right. free agency at this point like yeah. this like it it's the most I'm not even going to say wildest, but like this is a wild time of the year. Yeah. And it's exciting. Very much so. But it's also nerve wracking if you're just like uh, a rube and you're trying to figure everything out. You're just like, man, where he's where is he going? Where is he going? So I'm interested to see how it all shakes out Uh, next week. We'll talk more free agency. I'm sure there'll be more moves. Uh, Stay tuned to Vikings.com. There will be interviews coming up uh, with some of the recent free agent signings. So. Uh, Just stay tuned. Every day is going to be a new day. Every hour is going to be a new hour. So expect news at random times, but just stay tuned. There's Uh, also a tracker online. There is a tracker on Vikings.com. Yeah, definitely want to help 
pump Craig Peters working really hard on if you want like a rundown of it all without yeah. really having to do a ton of reading. Check out the tracker online. Yeah, for all you visual visual learners out yeah. there, the tracker is for you. Um, everyone that listens to today's podcast, we appreciate you. And um, for Eric Davidson, Tatum Everett, Jay Noteson, my name is Gabe Henderson. We'll see you all next week. Mm-hmm.